I never thought that this day would come, and I'm sure many of you out there in the world of professional wrestling never thought that you would see the day where this would happen. An era is over. Arguably one of the greatest, not only professional wrestling promoters, but also one of the greatest businessmen and visionaries of our time has finally retired from the world of professional wrestling, a world that he shaped, a world that he created, a world that he molded, good or bad, which we'll discuss all throughout this episode. It is me, it is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo here with you on a somewhat somber, somewhat retrospective edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary about the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling, as it says, emblazoned upon my shirt. And I didn't think that I wanted this day to come. It's kind of like, as they say, a little bit of never meet your idols, a little bit of you've been dreaming about this day. And then when it's finally here, do you want it? Is this what you wanted? There's going to be a lot of bittersweet speech a lot of bittersweet talking there already has been as of, I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday, a lot of talk. Actually, no, I think it was, I think it was Thursday because then Friday Smackdown happened and uh, Stephanie McMahon uh, addressed the WWE universe on Friday when everything went down. As much as I have criticized and vilified Vince McMahon, over the last 10 years, most of which personally and about a third of that has been with you guys talking on the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. It's kind of like now that that day is here, do we really want it to be here? Are we really prepared for it? Some of you out there are, some of you out there aren't. And I will be talking at great length, dedicating the whole podcast to the myth, the man, the legend of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And I know this is not an obituary because as you guys say, I'm going to give my flowers before uh, he's gone completely. And I'm going to go over kind of a retrospective of what I feel like Vince McMahon has done for the professional wrestling industry and his impact on not just professional wrestling as a business, but business as a business. And I'm going to try to be as comprehensive as possible. Now, I know that this is probably going to pale in comparison to 
the ultimate unfortunate demise of himself anyway. And I'm not wishing that on anybody. I know some of you out there, including some of you AEW stands, uh, are wishing that the next step that he dropped dead, which is pretty ignorant of you. I'm going to call you out on that one, at least. Um, saw some pretty stupid tweets from AEW fans, including the biggest AEW fan slash Markov of them all, Tony Khan, had to put his two cents in. Um, he actually uh, put two cents in, but because his value was way overinflated, it was more like a sliver of a penny. But I don't want to dwell on that dweeb any longer than I have to. Uh, you can check the crawl to see what he actually did, and you can discuss that, what he said in the comment section below, because I'm not going to spend any more breath on some guy, some random dude who just uses his father's black card to uh, continue to finance his vanity project. I'm going to talk about Vincent Kennedy McMahon retiring from World Wrestling Entertainment. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break the show up as I usually do. And by the way, speaking of AEW, I know many of you accuse me of being an AEW hater, and uh, you'll be right because you can see all my past episodes that that is 100% true. But if you think this is just going to be something where I'm just going to speak in glowing terms about Vince McMahon and that I'm going to uh, quit my job and follow him around everywhere he goes from now on, now that he's got free time, and throw rose petals in front of him so he doesn't tread on dusky ground uh, that uh, is a mistake as well this is going to be a comprehensive look at the life of Vince McMahon and I'm not talking about just the good parts comprehensive means taken all in all so we're going to look at the good the bad the ugly and the legacy of Vince McMahon warts and all there's no reason to sugarcoat Vince McMahon, especially because that's the way he's going out. He's not going out on his sword. He's going out as a very deplorable human being. And from what I've been hearing and from what I've been reading, uh, people are speculating that there might actually be a lot worse coming, which is why Vince McMahon ultimately made the decision to step down as CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment. And just briefly, before we get into uh, the good and the bad about the legacy of Vince McMahon, just as an aside, just one quick comment about uh, the new power structure. Um, kudos to Stephanie McMahon. If I was there at Friday Night SmackDown, I would have started a You Deserve It chant. Um, even though they were uh, blowing everything over, and Stephanie, of course, went out there as the good, beautiful daughter and I said beautiful. I'm sorry, I almost slipped. But yeah, she's quite fetching. Let's not forget. Um, Stephanie came out and basically uh, almost cried and teared up and on SmackDown and basically led a chance of uh, thank you, Vince, to a very appreciative WWE crowd. And I feel like in the long, uh, a lot of ways that a typical WWE crowd is going to agree with a lot of what I say. I don't think a typical WWE crowd is just going to lock, stock, and barrel believe Vince. Not unlike AEW fans who just, you know, lap up whatever milk comes from uh, Tony Khan. But the, I think the, the general run-of-the-mill WWE fan does recognize 
his faults. It does recognize the negatives, does recognize how uh, how uh, failing of a human being Vince McMahon has been in his life throughout that. Uh, and still the product was strong enough for them to stay like myself. So if you want to interact and if you have your two cents on what you think the legacy of Vince McMahon is, go ahead and comment below. I'll try to check everybody uh, on the heel and face page first, as I usually do. And then what I'll do is I'll go back to heel turn wrestling's page and try to interact with you guys there as well. So I can get everything covered. But, and if you, you don't catch me there, you can definitely catch me on Twitter. You can definitely catch me on other social media. I post uh, the videos also on rumble. Um, I, I'm on mines. I'm on locals. So I'm on a lot of different places. You could just go to your favorite social media sites and type in heel and face podcast. Or if you're unable to watch live or watch along on Facebook, you are certainly welcome to access the audio version of this podcast on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms. So do the things there and don't forget do what the crawl says, follow heel turn wrestling at HT wrestling three one six on Facebook. Okay. That is all out of the way. And let's get to the meat of the problem. Let's get to it. As the graphic, the beginning of the show stated, WWE chairman and CEO Vincent Kennedy McMahon retires at the age of 77. As Yahoo Sports reported, and I believe they broke it, they also had to add amid sex scandal allegations. And that's fair because that's what they do. That's what they're supposed to do. They're journalists. They're writing a story. And yes, it was a little clickbaity to add that last part in, but that's their job to make sure everyone is very clear as to why he's leaving. Uh, it isn't like, Commissioner David Stern wanting to take time to spend time with his grandchildren uh, when he did in the uh, 2000s when he gave up the uh, NBA commissionership to Adam Silver. You know, this is not um, a noble, graceful CEO falling on his sword. This is a guy who did leave because he was forced out. And not only forced out, not by corporate means, not by getting bought out by Stephanie and Triple H, not by Nick Khan swooping in, forced out because the things that he did, the things that he was responsible for, ended up making the WWE an embarrassing commodity to have, especially with all of the rumors bubbling about the eventual purchase and sale of the WWE as a product to another major multinational entertainment corporation. So let's talk about this now. Let's let's just go and let's just start from the beginning, right? Let's start with the good. Okay, you always want to start with a positive. When I teach, when I go back to the nine to five gimmick and I give feedback to my students on their papers and on their on their work that they do in the class, that you always start with a positive. Never start with a negative because they'll because people will never remember the positive. They'll always remember the negative first. So you start with a positive. 
So let's talk about this. What are the good things that Vince McMahon did for professional wrestling? Well, number one, he brought professional wrestling into the mainstream. At this point, professional wrestling was at the lowest it could possibly be as far as popularity, as far as star making, as far as the the uh, social and cultural zeitgeist that it had once been in the 50s. So in the 50s and 60s, with the golden age of television, obviously professional wrestling and other professional sports were a perfect fit. Low budget entertainment that can be produced and put on that would yield high viewer content, high viewer interaction. But with the advent of color TV in the 60s and 70s, with recessions, with other entertainment factors, people's tastes shifting, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the golden age of wrestling died away and went reverted back into the territorial phrase, phase where if you were going to watch wrestling, you weren't watching anything on a national scale you were watching uh, the local promoter of a territory tape his show and sell it to a local market to have them play it on the tv yeah go ahead and listen to jim Cornette and dutch mantel and all the guys that came up in the 70s 80s and 90s and uh and listen to them talk about how they would even pay uh businesses they would pay local syndicated TV stations to play tapes of their wrestling promotion just so they could get TV exposure. And then of course you could never see these shows because these shows would be like 1130 at night to kind of counter program, you know, whatever was going on nationally, a Saturday night live or whatever, or you would see, uh, early Sunday mornings or at the worst time, like 9 a.m. Sunday mornings, because everyone on Sundays was either at church or still asleep. But Vince McMahon had the foresight to bring professional wrestling into the mainstream. He knew that there was an untapped market where if he could just present a modern, fresh looking product to new fans, that things would go like gangbusters, which they did. He implemented a professional atmosphere. So if you're going to get a bunch of 20 and 30 year old meatheads who have been smoking cigars and drinking since 14 years old, where they've been throwing their neighbors, their brothers-in-law, kids at school, other amateur wrestlers and uh, football players around like sides of beef and you're going to get them in the ring together to do a choreographed athletic exhibition. You're going to get characters per se. You're going to get guys. You're going to get the crusher. You're going to get Dick the bruiser. You're going to get these old school guys who are just going to do what the booker says because it's best for them, but kind of do their own thing. You're going to get guys coming in 
hammered to wrestle a show. You're going to get guys who are running afoul of the law, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to get guys that, you know, quote unquote, call it in the ring. And uh, for ill or good, Vince McMahon insisted that the WWE was going to be a corporate atmosphere. If you weren't going to arrive to the arena in gimmick, in your in a costume, you were going to come to the arena dressed like a professional, dressed like a businessman. Collared shirts, slacks, nicely dressed jeans. He was the first person to implement that. Now think about that. Meathead jocks who've probably worn the same pair of jeans three months straight are now expected to show up with a collared shirt, a tie, and a pair of slacks to uh, wrestling. Uh, they did if you wanted to work for Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon innovated wrestling events, okay? It wasn't just a wrestling card. It wasn't just a wrestling show. It was an event. He was the one that pioneered the merch being sold on a, bra- a, bro- a broader scale. He was one of the ones that made sure that people knew the brand, not just the wrestler, but the brand behind the wrestler. Very defined gimmicks for ill or good. I'm not saying every gimmick was great. But you knew what Hulkamania was. You knew what Macho Madness was. You knew what T-shirts you were buying. You knew the brand that you were associating with. He elevated the pay-per-view. He practically pulled closed-circuit television out of the muck and mire and used it to his advantage to set up pay-per-view events. The first pay-per-views, kids, by the way, were in movie theaters. The first three WrestleManias were only available at movie theaters okay once he started convincing basic cable that he could produce a highly profitable program on cable tv and fans would run to pay money to see the event that he created he was guaranteed to make tons of money. And yes, if I'm not mistaken, Crockett Promotions and the NWA did in fact have the first pay-per-view. You guys can correct me in the comments, but I'm pretty sure that the NWA had the absolute first pay-per-view. But the way that it was marketed, the way Vince McMahon sold it as a series to cable providers saying, hey, I'm going to guarantee you three times a year. That's why that there's WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and Royal Rumble Kids, and then they added SummerSlam in the mid-80s. That's why all four of those big four pay-per-views came in the succession that they did, because Vince McMahon convinced cable operators that four times a year they will have a cash cow to look forward to, and that is people buying the pay-per-view from them. He innovated fan interaction, you know, meet and greets, forcing wrestlers sometimes to even go to places that they'd rather not go, like to openings of toy stores, openings of banks, Uh, He would basically have all of his wrestlers go. Not that that didn't happen before. Again, there's plenty of stories from Jim Cornette and other people where uh, the Rock and Roll Express had to show up somewhere and blah, blah, blah. But 
he was the one who was in control of that fan interaction. He was the one that guaranteed the wrestlers would be paid. He was he was the one that set up those contacts, and he was the one that would expand the fans' interaction with the the, the larger than life heroes that he was creating. And Vince McMahon was also an early adopter of technology and social media. Uh, we're talking about the pay-per-views, right? Well, we're also talking about he was one of the first ones to uh, have WWE.com. Uh, of course, he had to wait a little while. I believe it was first WWF.com. And he had to wait a while to relaunch WWE.com until the trial was over. Uh, the silly World Wildlife Fund trial that did nothing but line the pockets of people pretending to be in love with pandas. He was an early adapter of social media. He knew that social media had to be a place where WWE had to have a presence. He was uh, putting clips on YouTube. WWE was putting clips on YouTube. Uh, and and a lot of wrestling gets credit or tries to take credit for putting their promotion completely on social media, on YouTube, and tries to take credit for having more gonzo viral style videos on YouTube to drive more viewers and drive more attention. But I would like to politely correct and say that the JBL show started off on WWE's YouTube page. The shenanigans of uh, Team Hell No Daniel Bryan's alter ego, the rapper, Michael Cole's show. Those were some very early videos that were explicitly recorded for YouTube and other social media outlets. So while some promotions try to claim that they and their wrestlers were doing that uh, way beforehand or utilizing uh, the social media space, Vince McMahon was definitely part of social media very early on in his company's history. You know, there was a lot that Vince has done that was good for wrestling. And to be honest, I think wrestling became better for it. There was an accountability piece that was lacking. I don't blame Vince McMahon for trying to instill a environment of professionalism. You know, hey, show up to work early, okay? You know, don't just walk in five minutes before bell time. Go over the match. You know, talk about it with the other wrestler or warm up, do some stretching, get some water, do something, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about the idea. I know some people are very critical of the concept of if you're on time, you're late. And if you're early or on time, I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. I know that the, the very famously Tom Coughlin, the uh, former head coach of the New York Giants and Jacksonville Jaguars, had that philosophy quite often. I know a lot of people who have a very regimented lifestyle approve of that as well. I don't know if that jives, especially in the modern world anymore, but it, it, it doesn't kill someone 
to have enough pride in their job to be more of a professional. It just doesn't. So the things that Vince McMahon did for the wrestling business, the marketing, the globalization of it, bringing it out of the dregs, bringing it out of uh, necessarily the bingo halls and the VFW buildings and the high school parking lots and into the mainstream to make it something that people can access, a viable entertainment enterprise that people not only can say, oh, you watch that silly wrestling, but actually have a legit form of entertainment out of it. No different than movies, no different than TV, and honestly, no different from any of the other major sports in not just in the United States, but in the world. So that's a little bit, and it's not, again, it's a comprehensive list, but it certainly isn't the a finite list. So if there's other things that you'd like to add, just go ahead and drop it in the comments below. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the legacy of Vince McMahon is what we will be talking about this hour on the Heal It Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary about the biggest news in professional wrestling, including the retirement of Vince McMahon from the WWE. Brought to you, of course, by Heel Turn Wrestling. Okay, so I want to move on now, and let's go with the bad, okay? Because as uh, Chief Wiggum says, this is going to get worse before it gets better. So let's go ahead and review the bad. Let's take a look. The flip side of Vince McMahon insisting that people act professionally in the WWE is, is that the, the product itself became over-corporatized. There are too many people that are influencing professional wrestling. Not many of them actually have a pro wrestling background. And I know I sound like old men getting out, uh, yelling at cloud. I know I sound like certain retired Southern professional wrestling personalities, but one must admit that the WWE uh, itself and professional wrestling in general is a little bit too much sanitized. I feel like the, rise of niche wrestling in the last 15-20 years is kind of a direct cause or effect of over-corporatizing professional wrestling. Uh, you know, Vince not insisting on blood anymore, Vince being very particular as to what kind of matches he'll have and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, but mostly going by the whims of the corporate product. For a very long time, the reason why WWE got away from TV 14 and adult oriented material is because they were trying to hook the kids in. And they were also not trying to upset corporate partners. In a way, it takes a lot of guts to be a corporate partner with WWE, considering the random silliness that they could do at any moment. A wrestler could say something stupid, do something dumb, do something offensive, and already you have a letter-writing campaign. I mean, that was no more proof than – I can't remember his name, but that one guy who tried to write Slim Jim and Snickers and all these other places that – I think Brownback was his name or whatever who uh, from Kansas who tried to basically uh, destroy the WWE by going after its sponsors. And sponsors ended up saying, uh, we actually like this stuff, so go uh, kick rocks, sir. Or kick whatever it is you kick in the plains of Kansas. But over-corporatizing the product is sanitizing it. It's kind of taking the art form, taking a lot of the fun out of it. Every, pretty much everyone has the same moves. Pretty much 
every match is the same. It's very cut and dry, very color by numbers. Uh, the overall product doesn't look different. The ring looks exactly the same, even though it has different colors on it for SmackDown, Raw, NXT, NXT Level Up, or NXT UK. But the idea is the same. It's the same ring. It's the same walkway, same hard camera, same moves. Everybody knows where they need to be. It's the same structure for every match. It's the same two to five minutes everybody gets. Uh, there are some occasions where the wrestlers are allowed to uh, go on their own. Usually it's big matches like at WrestleMania or SummerSlam. But the WWE product at times can be too clean. And they are not allowed to make decisions on their own, which is the next point. Wrestlers are not given much creative freedom. And that Vince McMahon has created a hostile work environment. Uh, even uh, I was listening today where uh, Conan was talking about on his podcast about a couple of meetings that he had with Vince McMahon and a big meeting that he had with Vince. And that he was talking about how he, you know, Conan wanted to do business, but Conan is also 60 years old and he doesn't want to get involved in any office politics. He also recalled a story where he was on the phone with Rey Mysterio, who was just about to get ready to go out there and do his thing, cut the promo backstage. And someone came up to him at the last minute with a total rewrite of what he had already planned on doing and saying five minutes before they were supposed to go on. So creating an environment that is not conducive to creativity, creating an environment where everyone has to walk on eggshells is not a great work environment to be part of. I've heard many times, many shoot interviews from wrestlers saying that you don't want to do anything that will quote unquote piss off the old man. The old man obviously referring to Vince McMahon. To live in fear, not knowing what you're supposed to be doing, not knowing what you're going to do until five minutes before you do it. Uh, not being able to voice your opinion to Vince McMahon, which is actually an iffy subject. I know some people feel like that they're able to talk to Vince McMahon. Other wrestlers have been shut out completely or thrown out of Vince's office at times. So it's really a crapshoot on who you believe. And you can obviously tell the people that, were successful in barging into Vince's office versus the people who weren't because the people who were successful in barging to Vince's office are either highly paid in main events right now, or they are current WWE hall of famers. And speaking of creativity, uh, drying out Vince definitely killed the territory system, which is very vital to professional wrestling. I have mentioned multiple times on this podcast that, Professional wrestling is the last real apprenticeship form of work. There is a finite amount of people who know what to do, know how to do it. And even in professional wrestling, even with all the backyards and with all of the DIY promotions and all of the indies that are currently in your area, even the ability to do professional wrestling well still is very difficult for many people to do, to aspire to. And the fact that Vince McMahon killed that off, killed the only true apprenticeship left or one of the few, you can't learn this skill. You can't go to college. You can go to the performance center, 
but you can't go to college to learn how to be a professional wrestler. You could go to college on an athletic scholarship. You could go to college to play on a college athletic team. You could hopefully go into the pros and play on a professional athletic team. You could take action acting classes. You can take vocal lessons. You can take any kind of acting lessons you want. And it will not prepare you for being a professional wrestler. And some professional wrestlers actually are able to do all of that on their own, which is what the territory system was for, which Vince killed. And then, of course, the last point uh, about the bad is that he sacrificed the product of the WWE oftentimes while pursuing becoming a mogul. As a KISS fan... I've heard multiple times Gene Simmons, the bassist for Kiss and Frontman and the guy with the tongue, the demon, not Dale Torborg, the actual demon, has said multiple times that during the 80s and early 90s that Kiss almost broke up because of him wanting to pursue acting, wanting to pursue directing, wanting to pursue producing other musical acts. Gene was so hell-bent on becoming a mogul in the 80s, not unlike Vince McMahon, that the band actually suffered. And throughout the 80s, uh, Paul Stanley, lead singer, frontman, star child of KISS, carried the band to the point where Paul even contemplated kicking Gene out so he could continue with KISS or just break up KISS altogether. So those are some shocking things coming from Gene and the fact that he allowed Hollywood to distract him from uh, the reason why he was famous in the first place, uh, kick-ass, legendary rock band. Well, the same is true with Vince McMahon. By wanting to become a mogul in WWE as far as having their own studio where you could actually film or produce films, uh, having WWE New York, having WWE uh, brand extensions to everywhere, now NASCAR for a SummerSlam and all that kind of good stuff. By doing that, there were times where the product suffered. Doing the XFL, forcing Jim Ross to call XFL games while being on the Monday Night Raw schedule during, by the way, the height of the Attitude Era uh, was completely stressful and uh, took a toll on Jim Ross physically. Uh, Vince McMahon, of course, not concerned because if he can do it, pal, anybody else can do it. Uh, taking time away to try to produce movies with Hulk Hogan, taking time away to try to produce movies with Randy Orton, and then eventually The Miz. Uh, heck, even trying to get Triple H involved in acting by uh, that terrible movie, The Chaperone. So... There were times in Vince McMahon's history where his desire to be a multi-billionaire force in the entertainment industry did allow the product to suffer. And you could tell. You could tell. With the burnout of Steve Austin, with the really weird angles involving uh, the alliance with uh, a lot of the downtimes, any time that Vince was not 100% focused on WWE – you could tell that there was a lull in the product. All right. Well, I've gone through 
the good and the bad. But I'd like to take a quick break. And when I come back, I would like to discuss, of course, the ugly. But I would also like to discuss the legacy of Vince McMahon. What is Vince McMahon's legacy going forward in the world of professional wrestling? What will he be known by? Of course, he will be known by a lecherous, weird, eccentric, egomaniac, but he'll also be remembered for a lot of the ways in which he affected the sport of professional wrestling. So I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we will do all that. We are dedicating this entire podcast today to the good, the bad, the ugly, and the legacy of former, I can't even say I'm saying that, former WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon, as he this week announced his retirement from World Wrestling Entertainment. You're watching the Heal and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heal Turn Wrestling. I will be back in a few. All right, everybody, I'm back. It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanova, with you on a very special edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And it's a special edition because there is a huge announcement. The biggest announcement in professional wrestling is the graphic you just saw plastered that... Vince McMahon has officially retired, stepped down from World Wrestling Entertainment. This is actually a good time for growth. This is a good time to be moving forward. I'm very excited to see what the future holds with Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon, I found out, is only two years younger than me, two to three years younger than me. Uh, she is the first female CEO. Well, she's a co-CEO. I don't know what people are messing around for. Um, I think with the climate and culture of business being as it is, and we're all doing the woke things now, wouldn't it make sense to just make Stephanie McMahon CEO of the WWE? She could be CEO of WWE for another 20, 25 years, retire at 70, and bring the business into the future where it belongs. I mean, put Nick Khan in... Like, bring him down a little bit, uh, you know, Put it, give him a nice position, give him, you know, in charge of the networks and the TV rights and all that stuff, what he's good at. But Stephanie, as we know, is the heart and soul of WWE, and she deserves to be treated as such by giving the full title of CEO of WWE. I think the morale of the business and i think the morale of everyone involved everyone in the back is is going to be heightened if stephanie becomes the full-time ceo so why not do it anyway that doesn't make sense to me um now there is the rumor that vince mcmahon is lurking in the shadows somewhere that he still will be involved but he has been according to multiple reports by multiple sources he has been removed from everything he's been removed from the board he does still own his stock by the way you can't make him sell back his stock so he still has that as far as the board goes. But as far as having an official title, other than board member, he does not have the power that he once had. He has also been removed as head of creative, 
And in his place, it looks like it's been uh, Bruce Pritchard. So for those of you who think that the booking and the creative is going to be radically different in this time right now, uh, you're sadly mistaken. It's just going to kind of go through. I feel like they're going to go all the way through to SummerSlam, especially with Bruce Pritchard. Now, there is a strong feeling, there is a strong rumor that uh, Stephanie has a very huge dislike for Kevin Dunn, and she has a very huge dislike for Bruce Pritchard, and there is a groundswell of a rumor that both Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard will be the next two to go when Stephanie finally puts her stamp on the company. Uh, you know, I could take or leave Bruce Pritchard. I mean, there is something to say about being a yes man. And I don't really want to see anybody lose their job. I've been on the end of losing your job unfairly. I don't want to see anybody lose their jobs. At the same time, too, I'm not going to be heartbroken if Kevin Dunn loses his job. So, yeah, the corporate structure may change a little bit. I would love to see that happened. I'd love to see Jeff Jarrett take a bigger role in, in uh, the corporation of WWE. Uh, he's already in charge of live events, promotions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And just go ahead and make him uh, the chief operating officer as well, or something like that. And then, as far as the booking goes, there's a lot of rumors, or not rumors, I should say, uh, there's a huge groundswell from you fans to install. Triple H and Paul Heyman as co-creative writers for the show. Uh, that could be pretty amazing. And you know what? Honestly, if you kept Bruce Pitcher around, it's not that bad. Uh, he's he's not terrible. He's just a, a yes man for Vince McMahon, so it isn't it isn't really necessarily his fault. Um, that being said, let's get to the other parts. So we talked about the good and the bad, and now we have to go there, and let's talk about the ugly, shall we? So what is the ugly look like? Well, the ugly part is, is that uh, Vizic Man is an egomaniacal, psychotic individual who just keep talent constantly on the edge with constant rewrites, with constant uh, changing of ideas. Uh, perfect example, recently with Max Dupree, the former LA Knight, who knows if he's going to come back at all at this point. He's in his 40s and the last thing that Vince was on creatively was whether or not he should stick around. They've already given up ma maximum male models to Maxine Dupree, Max's sister, who happens to be that signee from the Phoenix Suns cheerleading squad or whatever. Uh, but for people to constantly be messed with, the stop-start pushes, the you're only here to do this, the we're going to make you wrestle a rapper that is the most popular rapper in the Latino community at SummerSlam or I'm sorry, at WrestleMania. The constant uh, keeping guys around talent has nothing for you. Uh, keeping guys on the roster, you know, the famous JTG. He was on the roster so long people forgot. 
Uh, you know, he was he had the record for staying on the roster continuously without being used. He was still getting paid. The Raven uh, being on the roster and not getting not getting paid, pay, being paid to sit at home and basically watch WWE. So uh, the constant dealings, um, you know, Jimmy Yang famously visiting the boys when they were in Cincinnati and Vince going up to him saying, hey, you, you want to go on tonight? Jimmy said, oh, I'm just here to visit. And all of a sudden he says, oh, ha, ha, thought you were still with us, pal. You know, that kind of thing. Like c- continuously keeping people on their toes for no reason. Um, you know, the, the work ethic of you got to work as hard as I do, pal, if you want to make it in this business. Now, there's a good side and a bad side to that of Vince doesn't do anything that he doesn't expect other people to do. There's the famous shot of him falling off the uh, stanchion that uh, Gronk was on during uh, WrestleMania, the famous COVID WrestleMania, where Vince McMahon actually did the dive and fell on the crash pad. And Of course, Gronk said, if a 75-year-old man can do it, so can I. But that kind of breakneck speed, that kind of attitude, that expectation where everybody in the company has to work as hard as this man does is, 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 is psychotic. There's no other way to put it. The way he uh, was haunted by scandal after scandal after scandal. The way he survived barely the steroid trials where he got off on quite a few technicalities as far as his involvement in giving drugs, giving steroids to wrestlers. How Nothing was necessarily pinned on him. Basically, his defense was he never specifically told anybody to do anything. Now, Provided that the environment that he fostered was conducive to rampant drug use and not just steroids, we're talking somas too. The Jimmy Snuka murder cover-up, by the way, just to remind you that Jimmy Superfly Snuka choked his wife out in a hotel room and got rid of the body, pretty much, and, and uh, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson helped make that go away. That was probably part of the reason why Snuka never became world wrestling heavyweight champion either because it's kind of a punishment way to keep him out of the limelight. Uh, Let's not forget, around 1980-1982, Jimmy Superfly Snuka was the hottest professional wrestler in the world. And had he not murdered his wife, Jimmy Snuka would have probably been where Hulk Hogan was. He probably would have been the number one babyface wrestler in the world. Uh, of course, Montreal Screwjob, the Bob Costas interview, the rampant sex abuse scandals uh, dating back to Barry O and Pat Patterson. Uh, the boys supposedly having to do favors for Pat Patterson because he wasn't fully out as a gay man yet. And of course, not being able to have a relationship, Pat kind of used, at least that's the rumor that, that 
Pat used his power behind the throne, so to speak, to engage in sex abuse scandals. Uh, of course, Vince himself paying off women to sleep with him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there wasn't a decade that went by where Vince McMahon was not involved in any type of scandal. And then, of course, questionable corporate dealings, right? We're talking about the events in Saudi Arabia. You know, they still have that contract where they still have to go over to Saudi Arabia to do wrestling events. This is not a good time to do that. Uh, the infamous uh, Saudi plane ride home where talent was stuck on the tarmac for hours. They couldn't go anywhere because there was something with the Saudi government that somebody rubbed somebody the wrong way and Vince couldn't get out of it. Uh, where you're at the mercy of a company, or you're or not the company, you're at the mercy of a government that isn't necessarily on the up and up. The dubious stock selling and buybacks that constantly happened throughout Vince McMahon's career, how Vince would randomly buy up a bunch of stock and then the WWE would come out with the network or the WWE would come out with a corporate partnership or that they, they would, something would happen that would make uh, them a lot of money. And by proxy him and his family, a lot of money. The recent selling of all this stock as well is very dubious, even with Stephanie's part, Stephanie and triple H both had a stock dump about six months before the rumblings of bringing Nick Khan in happen so other very questionable shady goings on as far as the corporate side of the mcmahon family and the wwe that's not all of them i'm sure you can go back and talk about more but the fact remains is that for a lot of the good that vince mcmahon does or did he is very slowly on the precipice of having that overshadow his entire legacy, overshadow his entire career. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen to anybody, honestly. I would love to for Vince McMahon to have come out, to have been able to come out on SmackDown and and say, I've had a great life, and you guys, the fans, gave it to me. You guys, the fans, have given me more than I could possibly have given you. Thank you very much. And he could have hung up the jacket. He could have put the mic in the middle of the ring. He could have put his boots in the middle of the ring and retired. But instead, uh, he, even in his last uh, his last appearance on WWE television, Vince McMahon basically told all of his critics to uh, – kiss his butt and join the kiss my ass club which was not great it was definitely not a way to go out but how do you go out like what is it that you do that you ensure that your legacy is sustained for the rest of your life let's take a look at parts of the legacy of vince mcmahon <laughs> So for all of Vince McMahon's faults and his ugliness, if there was a little kid, especially a fan backstage, the entire world would stop and Vince McMahon would make sure that that little kid had the absolute best experience possible backstage. And yeah, it happened. You have random kids coming backstage. You don't want to break kayfabe. You don't want to, 
you know, get kids inside business or see, you know what, John Cena and Batista giving each other a big hug backstage while a little John Cena fan is wandering around back there, right? But Vince McMahon went out of his way to make sure that every single fan had an amazing experience with the WWE. So he also was an avid supporter of great charities like Special Olympics, Make-A-Wish, and Be A Star. Now, I know that Be A Star has not really been at the forefront lately, especially uh, with the scandals and with the termination of multiple wrestlers. I know even a couple of former wrestlers have said that the Be A Star campaign is really ironic because Vince McMahon is the biggest bully that he's ever met, and that is true to an extent. But taken face value, non-cynically, when you start – Supporting things like the Special Olympics or Make-A-Wish, you can't be really all that bad. Vince McMahon has allowed John Cena to be the number one Make-A-Wish request of all time. And that means a lot. Because the lives that you touch with uh, something like Make-A-Wish far outweigh any impact that you think at you may have had your your impact on a young person's life through make a wish is going to do more for them than anything else possible same thing with special olympics as the wwe has been a very solid staunch supporter of special olympics pretty much honestly because of the influence of Randy Savage, Macho Man who was also a very very huge supporter was at a lot of special olympics events uh, that's one of the nice things that Macho Man was able to do before he passed away. And he always loves spending time with kids for Special Olympics. I think when you get down to it, I think a lot of the WWE superstars and a lot of WWE employees also enjoy their time spending with the Special Olympics, too. So uh, other charities also include Susan G. Komen in October and uh, that other – the other ones kind of escape me, but they try to be as – responsive to the public as they possibly can oh and the other yeah the uh the go girl campaign as well for uh, young girls to empower them in sports and life so uh those are some of the organizations that vince mcmahon and the wwe are behind <laughs> vince mcmahon was a visionary leader who took a dying industry and turned it into a global entertainment vehicle you can't deny that you can't deny that he took professional wrestling which was some weird barely athletic fat guys who smoked and drank and had their jobs as longshoremen interrupted occasionally with 500 mile drives to Waxahachie, Florida or whatever and he turned that into a viable profession that people could love and enjoy and make money off of, make good, solid, reliable money off of, and turn something that was seen as only weirdos would go to, to a global entertainment vehicle that everyone in the world can recognize. You go to any continent, any country, you go to anywhere in the world, and people will recognize the WWE and or the WWE superstars. And Vince McMahon, in his brilliant marketing genius, made sure that every single person was a superstar. 
Vince McMahon personally came from insurmountable odds to become a self-made multi-millionaire. He was almost a billionaire. I know there's the famous CM Punk pipe bomb where Vince McMahon is a millionaire who could be a billionaire. But give the guy some uh, credit. Now, I know you may want to debate self-made. So let's get into that briefly. Vince McMahon did borrow a million dollars in credit in order to buy the Worldwide Wrestling Federation and Capital Wrestling Company from his father, Jess McMahon. And yes, Vince McMahon had a leg up. He just would not quit. Vince's father, Jess, Vincent Jesse McMahon, did not want any of his sons getting into the business, especially Vince. And without getting into too much of the detail of Vince's youth, Vince did not have a very good home life growing up. His mother took off with him to South Carolina, where she met a man who was physically abusive to him and her. And that obviously shaped the kind of person that he became today. But to his credit, he all he wanted to do was promote professional wrestling. That's all he ever wanted to do as a young man. And he was singularly focused that he wanted to be a success. He wanted to be a superstar. He wanted to be a big wig global mogul. So what did he do? Started off small. He didn't say, hey, dad, make me CEO. He said, hey, dad, give me a job. And Jess refused, refused for the longest time until he relented and said, fine. He gave his son, Vince Kennedy, the absolute worst territory, the lowest drawing, the worst fans, et cetera, et cetera. It was the Bangor leg of WWWF. We're talking about Bangor, Maine, Augusta, Maine. We're talking about Quebec. We're talking about uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, possibly even Labrador, Canada. A territory that only Vince was going to, with the exception of a few small local independents, Vince was the only, Vince Sr., Jess, was the only person promoting in that area. There wasn't any NWA, there wasn't any AWA, there wasn't any competition. It's almost its own little corner. And Vince McMahon, Kennedy McMahon, not only uh, promoted that, but he made it a success. He actually made it a high-grossing leg of his father's company for him, which he could no longer be denied. He started giving his son, Vincent Kennedy, more opportunities, more things to do. And Vince also worked as what I believe was a, a refrigerator salesman and, and insurance on the side and did everything he could to get up enough money to be able to get up enough credit to eventually buy the company from his father for a million dollars. And then he took that million and he maxed out all his credit cards and he financed a, a weird little pay-per-view thing on what they call closed circuit television called, I don't know, WrestleMania. And the, the, even the success from WrestleMania was not immediate. What was happening was, is that word of mouth got out that WrestleMania was being showed on pay-per-view in closed circuit TV. 
So it just kept circulating and circulating, and more people were asking about it. Uh, by the time WrestleMania 2 and 3 came around, everyone was so excited for WrestleMania 1. They had just seen it, and they couldn't wait to see more. They couldn't wait for the next year, so Vince made it bigger and bigger. And about WrestleMania 5 or 6 was when Vince McMahon was finally making all of his money off of WrestleMania. So a driven, purposeful, self-made multimillionaire took money from credit and turned his father's super territory into a global entertainment vehicle. And in closing, the legacy of Vince McMahon will be, unfortunately, the only person able to take down Vince McMahon is Vince McMahon. That's what I've read, and that's what I heard somebody say on social media. I don't remember who it was, so I don't want to misquote people, and I certainly don't want to plagiarize and steal some of ideas. That's why I was in quotation marks. But the legacy of Vince McMahon will not be understated by anybody else and the ruination of Vince McMahon in a very Faustian way comes from Vince McMahon himself. Ted Turner couldn't put him out of business. The federal government couldn't put him in jail. But Vince McMahon is the only person that could cause his own downfall. So really, what is the final legacy of Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon is not just a little bit carny, a little bit rock and roll. He's not just the reincarnation of P.T. Barnum. Some would say he is almost a contemporary of Donald Trump. That's why they got along so well. But Vince McMahon is part businessman part marketing genius, part innovator, part revolutionary, who just so happens to be the greatest professional wrestling promoter ever. I'm saying that. It is what it is. Ever. No one has been able to do more with less than Vince McMahon. We're not talking about any of this. None of this exists without Vince McMahon, whether you want to admit it or not. I am not sitting here saying that I support anything that Vince McMahon does in his personal life. I find the way that he treated his family very unappealing, very vulgarly, very uh, appalling. I find that the things that he's done in his personal life are disgusting. And he's very lucky that he avoided uh, a Me Too moment. I think it's very sleazy to even come up with. No disclosure, non-disclosure agreements, even though corporations do non-disclosure agreements all the time. Uh, there are very rare times that it's actually used to cover up an affair. And the only place I've heard it covered up, used as to cover up an affair has been with WWE. But all of that aside, the reason why you are entertained, the reason why you're proud to call yourself a pro wrestling fan, the reason why you still stick with a product, even though it's been really bad at times. The reason why you enjoy two weird, meaty men wearing singlets, slapping each other, is because of Vince McMahon. 
the reason why you enjoy the highs and the lows of the stories that are told between two combatants, because that's all wrestling is. And again, sound a little bit like Jim Cornette, but you've got a guy who's a nice guy, a guy who's not a nice guy, and there's a beef between them, and that's where wrestling happens. Vince McMahon did it better than anybody else. The reason why there's a spectacular event, the reason why we're getting up for the SummerSlam coming up, the reason why the second the Royal Rumble is over, we're on the road to WrestleMania. The buildup, the excitement is because of Vince McMahon. The memories that you have, whether you are sitting on the couch with grandma watching wrestling or eating pasta like I did, whether you and your buddies came home late from 10 cent beer night on Monday night and caught the last half hour of Steve Austin stunning the CEO of the company. Whether you are a fan of iconic heroes such as The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mankind, Randy Savage, and yes, even Hulk Hogan, it's because of Vince McMahon. The memory that you have, I have a friend of mine that I work with, his favorite memories of his grandfather before his grandfather passed away was being able to take his grandfather to see WWE Raw as a payback for the times where his grandpa took him as a young boy to see WWE shows in Columbus, Ohio. That's what Vince McMahon did. Vince McMahon made wrestling better. However you want to put it, for ill or for good. Not everything he did was great. For every rock, there was the goon. For every Stone Cold Steve Austin, there was Max Moon. But as far as being entertained, and using the art form of professional wrestling to give you great moments, to give you a thrill, a smile on your face, to have fun, to escape the drudgery of life just for a little while. Just so a weird, long-haired, bearded troll could one day become WWE heavyweight champion. That's what Vince McMahon did. For you to be able to come home every Monday night after uh, being up at 6.30 in the morning, 12-hour shift, working in a factory with a boss who is incompetent and treats you like garbage, to come home and kick your feet up on the coffee table and watch as some bald, badass maniac downs a couple of beers and beats up his boss. That's what Vince McMahon did for you. To be able to take someone, a barely athletic, homely-looking homely individual who hasn't admittedly done anything athletic since high school, but had a passion for being a professional wrestler, to take that person and believe in them 
to give them the highest honor of becoming WWE heavyweight champion. And at the same moment, putting out the competition, killing them dead. That's what Vince McMahon did. For every child suffering from cancer who has nothing else left to live for except to see their hero in jorts and a lime green t-shirt to tell them to never give up. That's what Vince McMahon has done. For Heel Turn Wrestling, it's me, it's me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo signing off. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Don't forget to comment below. You can either comment to the Heel and Face show or you can comment to Heel Turn Wrestling and I'll try to answer. And also don't forget to go to uh, your favorite social media to interact with the show there as well. So thanks for joining me on the show today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for spending time listening to me talk about the retirement of Vince McMahon. It's me. It's me, the big old Stevie C. I'm out for another week. Have fun. And as always... Peace.